Welcome back, everybody, to the second exciting, thrilling, spine-tingling, spell-binding episode of the Mighty Thorcast, hosted by yours truly, Ed, and my co-host. I'm not so sure I want to say my name because I don't know if we can live up to that introduction. Oh, my co-host, the nameless voice. <laughs> we'll call her NV for short. I'm Ed. That's two letters. NV. So. I'm I'm not envying this. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm okay, I guess I, I. My name is Terry. I will I will claim responsibility uh, for this. I set that up pretty well without <laughs> without even thinking about it. I guess. I'm telling you, that was cute. Yeah. All right, guys. What's in a Thor podcast? Cuteness. I'm sure there's a cute podcast out there somewhere. I'd, I've never run across it. I can't imagine what it would sound like. Did you ever think you'd be part of one? <laughs> Daisies growing in a field or something. I don't know. Maybe Millie the model. A uh, a Care Bear. Oh. Maybe that's what cute sounds like. Uh, I don't know. Did I ever think I would be part of a cute podcast? No, no. And, and I still refuse to. Here, I'll show you. Damn. See, they don't say that on a cute podcast, so there we go. All right. Episode two. Now that you've gotten us censored for the cursing. (laughs) (laughs) Now they're going to have to bleep us. (laughs) iTunes. iTunes will put us in their uh, adult category. I forget what they call that, but yeah. Rated R for language. All right, guys. We... uh, a little bit of feedback here. We're up to 22 likes on the fan page. I don't recall what we were on the last episode. I, I think it's either the same or more. I don't think we've lost any yet. So, All right, this episode, we've got three books lined up. I think we'll be able to hit them all. We're going to talk about the Thor part of Journey into Mystery 83. That's the 1952 edition. Um Something, I don't know if I said anything last episode, I might have. Um, I don't like referring to comic books by volume because a lot of times you can't get consistently from source to source what constitutes a volume. And case in point is something like uh, a a, a character that has multiple miniseries before they have an ongoing series. Some people count those miniseries as a volume each. Some references only count the ongoing series as a volume, and they classify the others as a miniseries. So uh, to avoid all that, my volume number, so to speak, is the year of the publication of the first issue of that book. So we're talking about issue 83 of the 1952 Journey into Mystery, which actually was... 1952 was pre-Marvel, so this is Atlas. This is uh, was published by the company that would very quickly after this become Marvel. But either way, Journey into Mystery 1952, issue 83. Um, likewise, issue 84. Now, both of these are just going to be the Thor portion of the comic book, which is roughly a third to half. And then hopefully we'll also talk about The Rage of Thor, which was a one-shot put out this year, um, last month, I believe. I believe. July. Yeah, it came out like at the end of July, I think. So, Which is good because it kind of is a throwback story rather than something currently anyways. All right. So, Journey into Mystery, issue 83, is the first Marvel appearance of Thor. This is where we get a lot of the mythos of Thor. I thoroughly enjoyed this one because it told me a lot of okay, as, where he came from, the, all the tapping and twirling right. and you okay. know all of that stuff. And and I'm sure that the first many many issues will be add a thing or two each time. Oh, I didn't know his hammer did. Oh, I didn't know he could do it that way. Oh, you know, as as they're just. Throwing this out off the top of their head, and they're just adding to him. And if I could jump forward, it surprised me that 84 did not. 
The only thing we learned new in 84 was of his crush of Jane. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They didn't add anything. I mean, 83 had like seven or eight, had eight things. I wrote them all down. Okay, cool. And then 84 was like, and he has a crush on Jane. (laughs) Okay. you could figure any ways. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's going to have a love interest, and when the book opens with a female, you can – Pretty much figure. That's it. Yeah, be pretty sure that, oh, it's her. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's a toughie in comic books, uh, you know, so, okay. All right, so this this issue 83 of Journey into Mystery opens uh, with Dr. Donald Blake on vacation in Norway. He is uh, just standing there checking out the coast and decides to turn around and head back to wherever he's staying. And behind him, having turned around in that direction, a spaceship quietly lands. He never sees it. The aliens from that spaceship have come. They're an advanced scout party to um, take over the Earth, conquer the Earth. They are very – they look like the um, – the Easter Island heads, yeah, but they have complete bodies. Mm-hmm. But the heads look like those heads that you always see on the Easter Island uh, History Channel things and stuff like that. I hadn't really thought of that, but you're right. But yeah, it, I mean, now that you say that, you're like, oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know just makes me think that they're like looking through some book for some monstery looking thing, and they're like, hey, oh, okay. yeah. So, so the. Um, Aliens are kind of checking themselves out. They're not from Earth. Uh, they say they're from Jupiter. They're finding out that on Earth they're a lot more resilient and a lot stronger than they are on Jupiter. They're also trying out their weapons. Saturn. Saturn, honey. Is it Saturn? Yes. Okay, I thought it was Jupiter. It's Saturn. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, See, so that's why I have a co-host. Mm-hmm. Keep me straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they also have weapons. They're trying out their weapons. Uh, they find out that uh, apparently they feel that their weapons are, are very superior. During this testing phase, uh, they are over, 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 over. They are spied on by a human who then runs back to town to try to tell the town people, try to warn him because he's been close enough to hear what part of the plans are. And of course, the townspeople don't believe him, which. I'm sorry. I don't know if I've ever seen anything that involves aliens that the person that knows about the aliens is believed. No. Ever. Ever, ever. Sort of reminded me of the old fable, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Yeah, right. Chicken Little? (laughs) Is that who that was? I don't think so, but let's move on. Oh, okay. All right. Grimm's Fairy Tales, that's another podcast that we're setting up, so that's that's a joke, by the way. We have plenty. Um, but Don Blake overhears, and apparently Don Blake eh, believes him or at least says, well, hmm, let me go check and see if I can determine anything before I just write him off and, and uh, you know, determine he's a kook like the, the townspeople did. So Blake goes out there and gets on the trail of these aliens and decides that um, he's going to leave and in the process of leaving alerts them to the fact that he's there. So now not only is he leaving – but he's trying to do so rather rapidly because he's been found out. Uh, he has some leg issues. Um, all they say is that he is lame, uh, which nowadays has come to have a completely different meaning, although he yes. might be lame too. So, Yeah, he might be because he's a little nerdy doctor. Yeah, so, um, so in trying to get away quickly, he loses his cane. He stumbles and fumbles. He falls into a cave. Uh, he realizes, well, he can't escape the way he's come in because they're following him but maybe you know the cave goes on through and he finds the other side but determines that that there there is an exit but it's blocked by a huge boulder so he's sitting there kind of wimping out deciding that well you know it doesn't matter there's not going to be anything that i can do when he accidentally triggers a part of the cave wall and it opens revealing a secret chamber now oddly enough to me um, I wonder how far in that cave he was because there was an awful lot of light for him to see all this. But Yes. Uh, you know. Inside the cave on a pedestal is a uh, – what's he call it? A gnarled wooden stick. I like the word gnarled. Gnarled. It reminds me of gnarly. That's mm-hmm. – yeah, you don't use that anymore. But 
I'm an 80s baby, so I, I like gnarly. And uh, he says, well, uh, here's the stick. Let's see if I can you know, use it to move this boulder. So he, he tries to use it as a lever, tries to move it, the, the boulder that would allow him to exit the rear of the cave. He, he can't do anything. He gets frustrated, and he just hauls off and whacks the, the boulder with the piece of stick, which any of us would have done being in, in our pissed offitude. We, you know, so, but, uh, unlike what would happen to us, uh, Donald Blake finds himself transformed into Thor. Now, no, excuse me. He finds himself transformed into a being like Thor. He looks like Thor. He discovers he has Thor-like powers. But I say it's not Thor because Donald Blake psychologically is still in charge. He is still talking like Donald Blake, only in another shape. And he is learning these things that can be done, whereas if Thor had somehow taken his place, Thor would know all the things he can do. He would be interested in where he is all of a sudden that he wasn't just a moment ago. So to me, there's a kind of difference, and I think... At some point in the future, this will be a very apparent difference because I think that the, the writing will change. But right now, this is Donald Blake in a bigger body with Thor's powers. And so he goes about testing different things. He lifts a boulder, uh, the, the boulder blocking the cave, and he's like, oh, cool. I've got all this strength. Let's get out of here. So he goes outside, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do, and he sits down, and he lays the hammer down. Not, I mean, he physically puts the hammer down, not like the gas pedal on a car. Okay. And um, finds out that if he is not in contact with the hammer in 60 seconds or so, he reverts back to Don Blake. Uh, he also tests it because he's familiar with some of the legends of Thor. He throws the hammer to see if it will come back, and it, it does. He throws the hammer at a tree to find out how resilient the hammer is, and it trashes the tree. He thumps the hammer on the ground twice and creates a storm. And when the storm gets to a, a severity level, he gets kind of uncomfortable, and he strikes the hammer on the ground three times, and it dissipates the storm. He then strikes the ha handle of the hammer on the ground once, and reverts back to Donald Blake holding this gnarled piece of wood. So, once on the ground, transforms. Twice on the ground, creates a storm. Three times on the ground, dissipates the storm. So far. We then see that the um, aliens that landed have sent word to their fleet that the Earth is ripe for the taking because the fleet comes into Earth's atmosphere they are confronted by an air force from somewhere, a NATO air NATO. base, yeah, is, is all it says. And the ship or one of the ships or all of the ships together somehow uh, throw up a three-dimensional image of a dragon. And all the, the jet fighter pilots freak out because of the dragon, and basically they all bail out of the airplane and and, and – parachute to safety the um, earthers I guess we'll call them also shoot missiles at the alien spaceship and find out that it is protected by a shield um, I'm thinking the aliens never did name themselves did they these guys they never no. said yeah they just said they were from Saturn okay there, there is a name for them and I can't remember what it is because these aliens show up again oh okay not necessarily in thor but in the marvel universe and they have a name the yeah i can't remember what they're called so um donald blake um is in position i guess they've decided that the alien fleet is going to try to land right there where their scouts are so blake sees the dragon and the ships and the pilots bailing out of the airplanes and everything decides that he needs to turn back into this into Thor so he strikes the hammer on the ground and turns into Thor another um, niftiness of the hammer he tries for the first time unfortunately it's successful 
but by twirling the hammer around and around and around his body, he can let the hammer go in the direction that he wants to fly and then grab hold of the hammer real quick and the hammer will, will pull him like he's flying. So he's not really flying. He's basically being drugged through the air by the hammer. So he does this, uh, in the direction of the aliens to attack them. He attacks the ones on the ground with his hammer first, defeats them. They attempt to capture Thor by throwing a cage over him, which he immediately rips through. The aliens then decide they're going to shoot him with their handguns, but Thor throws his hammer and knocks all the handguns away. The aliens then decide they're going to sick their Mechano monster on Thor. And with... Uh, I'm not sure if he hits it or if he strikes it with a bolt of lightning. I guess maybe he strikes it with a bolt of lightning from his hammer. He destroys the Mechano monster. So the aliens, fearing that Thor is not the only example of this type of power on Earth, uh, perhaps they were mistaken with their initial assessment, run back to their ships, take off and flee the scene. Thor, seeing the army approaching to try to handle any stragglers or leftovers or whatever, decides that the better part of valor is to turn back into Donald Blake. And so when they, the army looks over things, all they see is this lame passerby with a gnarled old cane. And so that was the first Marvel appearance of the mighty Thor. So, Miss Terry, what did you think of that? I enjoyed this one because, like I said at the beginning, it really gave me a lot of the background and information on Thor, what he could do, what some of his hammer powers were, kind of kind of gave you an, an idea about him. Okay, so you had no idea of any of that before you read this? You weren't really familiar with Thor at all? I am not um well-versed in Thor, no. Okay. Um, I mean, I knew who he was, and I knew that he had a hammer, but I had – I, other than the research I did because we were going to start this podcast, I didn't know about the one – I knew the one-time transform, not the two-time storm, three-time undo a storm. You know, I knew some of the stuff from – I'm just saying for someone who's picking up Thor for the first time, this is a very good issue because it tells you a lot of stuff. That's going to continue on. Okay. Um, how about the the use of the aliens as the the main plot line of the story? Um, he had to have an antagonist. Okay. That okay. was okay. Um, what about the art? What you what you think about the art? I like old style art. In comic books, so I it was it was fine with me. Okay. Yeah. It's what I'm familiar with. Um, which is something that I didn't mention. Now that I think about um, the writer and artist of these, I believe off the top of my head it was Stanley and Jack Kirby. But Stanley plotted, Larry Lieber wrote. Okay. Kirby and Sinat or Sinat. 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 Okay. Did the art. Okay, so Kirby did layouts and Sinat either did finishes or inks. Uh, Lieber was Stanley's brother, and so the the brothers. Um, I guess basically what happens is one comes up with the big ideas, Stan Lee, and then one fills them in kind of thing. So, okay. All right. Cool. All right. Moving on to Journey into Mystery 1952, issue 84. I also thought it was kind of cool that it was just, it was a one-off story. Beginning, middle, and end was in the one issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind multiple issue arcs, 
but I like the arcs to be like two or three issues. I don't like six, eight, twelve. You know, uh, nowadays a story that goes for a whole year in a comic book, I kind of get bored with it. I just, you know, first of all, you're only reading them once a month, and then on top of that, you wait twelve months for the the denouement, the culmination of whatever the story is, and yeah, if you do it in two or three months, I, actually, I think if you do it in two or three months, it's usually a lot tighter story. But all right, so now the second issue of Journey into Mystery with Thor here. Uh, they start off the book with a recap of him finding the cane in the cave, trying it out, discovering what it does, and everything. No mention of the aliens or anything like that from the first issue just everything that thor did that involved himself so after the little recap we see that uh we we open with dr don blake looking over a a patient of his with jane foster and the patient's wife also in attendance we find out that don kind of has something uh, for Jane here and feels that because he is not physically 100% that she would never go for him. So he doesn't, he doesn't really pursue it. He is, um, which it doesn't say here, but I believe he's driving her home and finds out about something that happened in San Diablo which is, let's say, Central or South America, while he was in Europe, which was Norway, was where he was for the issue 83. So while he was away in Norway, a revolution broke out in San Diablo between the uh, Democrats and the pro-communist factions. And the pro-communist faction is led by the executioner. So in the uh, mid-60s, things were so very simple then. Yes. So Don decides that he is going to do kind of a Doctors Without Borders kind of thing and go down there and help him out. Takes Jane with him as his um, helper, his assistant. And on the way there... The boat that they're taking is attacked by forces that we of the executioner that we find out of the executioner, but they don't really know. They have no idea. No. So Thor goes about just dismantling this little attack um, with actually having no idea who they are. I mean, if they were for some reason, if they were the pro-democratic side and they attacked the boat by accident but we're going to stop and Thor went up there and messed them all up well then what were they going to do that's eh, not even Thor's addressed. the good guy so yeah it's, it's, yeah things were so much simpler then that's I, right bad guy good guy so uh, after the battle Thor f- let, allows himself to fall into the water because everybody can see him and, and see what he's doing he falls into the water, sinks down, and strikes the hammer on the ship, thus transforming back to Don Blake, who is then rescued uh, from the ocean using the story that during the attack he fell in. The leader, I guess, the, the, the military person, in charge of the planes that just attacked, uh, deliver the bad news to the executioner, and he, in turn, is executed for his bad news. I guess in an attempt to show how bad the executioner really is. Can I interject a, a womanly perspective here? Yes, ma'am. You left out something very important. Uh, uh-oh, okay, what was... During, during the whole Thor... Taking care of everything and, and rampaging and, and defeating the foe mm-hmm. and then and, and disappearing and Blake coming back. Well, poor Blake, poor Dr. Blake, who had a crush on Jane 
and Jane was having returning feelings for Dr. Blake, now she's in love with Thor. Because she comment and he is so handsome. This is the beginnings of her crush on Thor. So it's a love triangle, but not really because two of the sides are the same entity. Person. Okay. Sorry, I had to put that little uh, feminine plot line in there. That's all right. You're right. I I blew through that because I'm all about the hero. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. You know, he'll get chicks or he won't, uh, whatever. All the chicks he's going to be interested in are as a guardian anyway, so it's... But I'm sure this is going to cause some heartache later. It's going to be an ongoing, reoccurring problem. Okay, so you're saying, note, here it starts. Yes. Now you may continue, I'm sorry. Oh, no. The executioner executed the man who brought him the bad news. Ready, aim, fire. Okay, let's see, I just made a mistake there. Okay, so uh, like I was saying, I, I guess that the reason that that they wrote that in there is is just to show you how bad the executioner truly is. That he would just kill one of his men just because he delivered some news that he didn't particularly like, which I guess does indeed make him a pretty bad dude. So yes, when you kill your own men. All right, so basically, what's going on is the executioner doesn't want these. Doctors to assist the peasants. So that's why he attacked the boat. Um, he then sends his military out after the people because the boat has has uh, landed, I guess, so to speak, mm-hmm. and they are coming ashore. So when they are attacked, Blake decides to create a thunderstorm, which we now see he can do without being Thor. He can do it just because of the cane staff cudgel that he has. So he creates a storm to blow away the pro-communist attackers and then uses the cane to dissipate the storm. And as they continue to move uh Farther inland, I mean, there's there's not necessarily any destination that these people are working towards, these doctors or anything. They just seem to be wandering. Well, now in the midst of their wander, they're attacked by the pro-communist forces in tanks. So rather than just trying to do something with a, a storm, Blake decides that the Thor persona is definitely needed and turns into Thor and destroys this uh platoon, I guess, this this group of tanks. But during the attack, the executioner's forces capture Jane. And they use her to cause force uh to cause Thor to stop, saying that if you continue fighting us, we will we will hurt this woman. And so Thor, aka Don Blake decides that that he needs to stop so that nothing happens to Jane. Um, He then, off off panel, Thor reverts back to Don Blake, and and Don Blake goes and allows himself to be captured. And in the process of being captured, they take his, his cane away from him, this staff that he has, so now he can't turn into Thor and he, he's got to figure out something to do because if he doesn't do something they're going to they're gonna execute him so he insults and challenges the executioner to a fight well when the executioner gets close to him he takes back the stick cudgel, cane what, I guess a cane is, is the best thing to call it um, he uses it and turns into Thor and then defeats the um, executioner's forces that are going to attack him, but also in the process convinces them that the executioner is really the bad guy because while Thor is attacking, the executioner's men 
see him trying to sneak out with all the money and everything that they've gotten, and his own men ultimately turn on him and kill him. Um, so that's that's the end of the pro-communist um, executioners' forces. The revolutionary, uh, the um, pro-democratic army is apparently nearby. Uh, they swoop in and, and finish up everything. Don Blake and Jane are then allowed to um, take care of the sick people of the island, and so everything is as it should be. Jane's kind of curious now. She's starting to notice that perhaps Don isn't around all the time. Maybe even he's not around when Thor is, but she realizes he's not around all the time. So she, I don't think I don't think she has correlated the two together though. So she's she, just noticing she's, that he's not she's there. She's just all moony about Thor. He's so strong, so masculine, so wonderful and adventurous and brave. And why can't you be like that, Doc? I'm gonna vomit. I'm telling you, she's just she's all in love. Okay, so there, there we go. There's, there's Jane's perspective. Um, she's asking him why, you know, where he is, and he gives her some lame excuse, and and she remarks, "Oh, well, too bad you're not more like Thor." But in her head. Right. Yeah. Not not outwardly. And so thus ends Journey into Mystery issue eighty four. So, Miss Terry, what did you think about that one? Uh, uh, let me let me ask. Anything different than the first issue? I found it to be. <laughs> to, well, to use the word believable when you're talking about. A Thor comic book, but it the storyline to me was more in fitting with the time that this would have came out because in you know there was there was a lot of warring factions and things happening in the sixties and and it just seems to me like it would have spoke that storyline would have spoke to more people buying the comic book at the time of its public publish. Than the other one. The other one was more fantasy. Because it was a because it was Democrat alien. communist battle in a mm -hmm. third world country. Yada yada yada. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, apparently, the same writer team, artist team. It was the same writer team, and the artists were Kirby and Ayers. Ayers. Okay. So Kirby did pencils. And Ayers did the inking. Okay. All right. So there is a quick synopsis of the first two appearances of Thor in the Marvel Universe. Now we're going to switch gears and do a one-shot, The Rage of Thor, that deals with something that happens to Thor later on but not something that occurs to him in the in the current time frame. So this one shot is kind of a retelling or or a continuation of a story that occurred between the current title and the two issues we just talked about. So okay. And the Rage of Thor starts out with Odin and Thor battling Surtur, as only a father and son can do. And Do you know who Surtur is? He's an evil, dark... He's a fire demon. I, I, I can see that with the fire in his eyes. Ah, okay. So they are, they are fighting. Thor's trying to forget his anger at his father and just do this battle. And it doesn't really quite work out that way. They, they fight. They fight well. Surtur runs and flees. And his father's like, well, let's just go back to the hall. And, and you've done well. And perhaps this, this 
thing that has befallen you has helped you to be a better adversary? And Thor's like, what are you talking about? And, and Odin's like, well, you know, I refer to that unfortunate misunderstanding. And Thor's like, there was no misunderstanding. Brings back all the hate, all the rage. And, and riles him up all over again. So when they get back to the hall and Odin's like, let's eat, drink, and be merry, Thor's like, no, you've reminded me why I'm so mad at you and why I, I dislike you so much, and I don't want to eat, drink, and be merry. And he starts to talk back to his father, Odin. Why exactly is Thor mad? I'm getting to that. Okay. Okay. He talks back to his father and says that that was a sly hoax, and I can't believe that you did that to me. And what had happened was that Odin had allowed this creature that looked and sounded and talked and acted just like Thor to be created. And it killed Asgardians and everyone believed it was Thor and nobody was on his side when he said I was complete. He was completely innocent. And even his father was letting it go on and, Thor is mouthing at him because he's still mad about that whole incident that happened. And Odin just snarl, just reaches out and grabs his little face and says, I am your father and I am your king. Shut up. So Thor's like, fine, I'll shut up. I'll leave. And he does. He leaves to go find another place to be. So four years later, we find that Thor is at a village. He's been living there. He has took himself a woman who has a child from a previous marriage or partnering. And he's in love, being one of the villagers, fighting in their fights against the people that come against the village, not letting anybody know that he is the mighty Thor. He's just a very strong, able-bodied man that all the men are envious of and all the women want him, And he's, but he's being faithful. And true to his love. And things are going along fine. He's just fighting battles and they're living and, and having a good time. Until his father has decided to go out and fight Sutura again with Balder. And things don't go quite as well because Balder's not quite the fighter that Thor is. And Sutura manages to prong him, which causes him to have... I'm assuming it's it's like when you get stung by a stingray kind of thing. It it penetrates and and puts some sort of poison into your body, and he starts to he can't seem to be heal healed, and he is calling for his son. So Balder wanders to the finds out knows where finds out where Thor is and wanders to the village and convinces him to come back. Your father's dying. You have to come back and make peace with him. And Thor's like, go away. I don't want anything to do with you. But three days later says, well, yeah, I have to go see my father because I can't just let him die. So he tells his woman, Atali, that he has to go do this and that he will return. So he gets home and he finds that Papa is healing. And Papa's like, oh, it's only because you're here, son. Really, I was I was on my deathbed. That's why we called for you to come. So his father and his brother Loki try to keep him there, and, and his father says, we still have to go out and fight Satur. We have to defeat him. And Thor, while his father's asleep, goes out and fights by himself, Satur, and defeats him. It doesn't say he's killed. It says that his life is draining from him, and he's going off into Never Never Land. But it doesn't really say he's dead, so I'm sure he comes back later. And... Thor managed to do that all by himself where before two men couldn't beat him because he had the passion of going back to Atali in his life because he wanted to get away from his father once again and Asgard once again. So he defeats, goes back. Everybody's like applauding. His dad's like, well, I'm mad at you for leaving me, but you you defeated him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Loki tries to tempt him with women and, and wine and song. And he's like, no, I'm having nothing to do with you. And he goes back to his woman. In the village. But when he gets back to the village, he sees that the dark plague has taken most of the villagers and his beloved Atali is sick. The boy has already died. Atali dies short af shortly after Thor gets there. And they are burying her when the 
marauders that, that he has been fighting as one of the village men come down again. And at this point, he is so heartbroken and so bereft of his loved one that he just fights as Thor and, and defeats him, takes care of everybody, handles it all. But then after that, he can't stay in the village anymore because they all know who he is. They treat him differently, not as one of them. So he decides that he has to leave there too. And, and he goes back to Asgard to his own people. Okay. Now, probably one of the most significant aspects of that story is the fact that Thor, a god living in Asgard, where all the other gods live, gets pissed and decides to go live on Midgard, which is Earth, mm-hmm. with, with humans. Mm-hmm. So it's not the story of, you know, that he gives up his godhood or anything like that. He just decides that he doesn't want to be with his fellow gods anymore. So he tries being a human. And uh, the moral of the story is you can't be something you're not. That's he, he that and don't fall in love with Thor because you'll be killed before the end of the uh, yeah, really. episode. Just like the Bonanza Boys. <laughs> so fall in love with little Joe, you're dead by the end of the hour. So now that um, the 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 story of why Thor is mad occurred uh, in the in the time stream, and we'll we'll get to it eventually. Um, and he may have as part of that gone to Earth to live, but I, I don't. I don't necessarily remember that part. So I don't know how much of a new addition this story is uh, versus a retelling of a portion of the story. So um, the writer, Milligan, um, Milligan. he's not and never has been a regular Thor writer. So this is just a... I mean, it's a one-shot, but it, not only that, but it's just not a – it's a set story. Um, I don't think they're setting up for anything. I think that what they're doing is they're just trying to get more things out about Thor that are good uh, leading up to the release of the movie next year. So I'm sure we'll see a lot more of stuff like this next year as the movie comes up. Right. And it did use um, – the artist was the same as the artist in the newer version from episode one. Yeah, okay. That was the artist, Sun, Sunyan, Sunyan? Yeah, however you say his name. Say his name. Sorry, we're butchering your name, sir. Um, but he was the artist in this one shot too. Okay. That's interesting that he would have had time to do this. I bet, I bet what it was was this was like his tryout. And they saw what his art looked like, and they gave him the book. Or this was his first attempt at writing Thor before taking on the full-time gig or something like that. Because with a one-shot like this, it's hard to say when it was done and turned in. It could have been done four or five years ago, and they just now decided to publish it. You mm-hmm. you, you just can't tell. So, okay. Um, well, when you have 40 <clears throat> years of – over 40 years of – the character being out there, I mean, you can do a lot of one-shots. Just pick one little piece of a story from 40 years and explode it, you know, just expound upon it and say, well, it could have happened this way. Right, right. You heard that he went here. This is the story of what he did while he was there. He left Asgard because he was mad. So here's a story of what happened to him while he right. was gone. Yeah, so um, – so the story was was okay. I, I I kind of liked, you know, the fact that that here was Thor trying to be ungodlike, which you don't necessarily see a lot with beings with that kind of power. They tend to revel in the mightiness of their power rather than saying, "I would rather people not know I have this power. I, I just want to live. I just want to be left alone." Um, you know, throughout mythology and, and written history, there are all kinds of fiction pieces about beings trying to do that. But overall, you just don't run into that kind of story very much. 
But I, I think it sort of fit into Thor's character because what I have read of Thor, he seems to be like the goody two shoes of the gods. He, he, his whole character seems to be the anti wine women song thing. The, the more upstanding. Noble. Noble. Yeah. God rather than the, I have all these powers, let me use them. You know, to everybody else's disadvantage and my advantage. Yeah, I could. So I liked, I liked the way that he was like, I'm tired of this wine women in song. Quit throwing these concubines at me and I'm going off to be faithful to my woman and. Yeah, you know. see, I, I think part of that, a large part of that is due to him trying to be faithful rather than some kind of personal bearing because later on in the Thor mythology, we come to find out that his three best friends are some of the maddest partiers in Asgard. So, But not him. Well, I'm sure at some point he probably partook in oh, well, excess. Well, I'm sure he debauched a little, but not to the extent of... Not every night. And like, and, and that's something else. Um, the Asgardian gods in, in the various pantheons are kind of known for that. Mm-hmm. That... Feasting festival party. Kind of the Roman. We fought the good battle. Now let's celebrate all the time, kind of thing. So, yeah. okay. Alrighty. So there we go with the Rage of Thor one shot from this year, uh, last month to be exact. So we've talked about uh, Journey into Mystery issue 83 and issue 84 and the Rage of Thor one shot this episode. I think, uh, um, well, I won't, I won't think. I'll just, I'll say that, um, I enjoyed all three for very different reasons, though. Terry, overall, what did you think? I enjoyed all three also. Like I said, the first one, because it told us a lot of his background and, and the different things that he could do, his powers and things. The second one, yeah, I mean, it was it it wasn't as informative, but it was a good storyline, so I enjoyed it. The Rage of Thor, I really enjoyed because it it took a broader scope of his character, I thought, and 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 spoke a lot about that. Okay. All right, now guys, if you uh, want to read along, next issue, uh, yes, next episode, we have lined up Thor. Um, which is the current volume. It started in 2007, so it's the current volume of Thor. Issue 613, which, according to the lists, comes out as we're recording this tomorrow, Wednesday. We're recording this Tuesday night. So, right? This is Tuesday? Okay. Yes. Uh, either way, it comes out Wednesday of this week. And... Journey into Mystery issue 85, which does not come out this week because it's been out for about <laughs> 45 plus years, roughly. So uh, you might have to hunt a little bit harder to find that one, but I'm sure that you'll figure out a way to get it. If you want to contact us, you can do so in uh, several different ways. Our email address is... The Mighty Thor Podcast at gmail.com, all one word. Our website is comicbooknoise.com slash Thor. You have the opportunity to uh, leave comments on the posts. I'll, uh, and we also have a fan page on Facebook, which I've been putting a lot of stuff on the fan page, and I'll try periodically some of the more juicy things that I run across to put on the website also and try to encourage everybody to leave comments about those things. Definitely want to thank Mr. Derek Coward for his help and assistance in setting up yet another Comic Book Noise podcast for the Moore family. And we, we all do appreciate it. I definitely know I do. Me too. Thank you very much, Derek. And there we go. So, Terry, as we head out to some uh, uh, classical styled music, uh, any any parting shots you want to give? No, just come on back and and join us next time for the next episode. It's bound to be a thriller. 
Well, there we go, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you listen in next time. Either way, let us know what you think. Facebook, email, let us know. We'll, we'll do our best to uh, incorporate uh, the, the views, the discussions, the ideas into what we're doing and, and make this more appealing to more people out there. Thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again next time. <laughs>